Thanks for being here. My name is Brandon. I'm the pastor and want to say welcome. And as we, uh, we're starting our new series, The Satisfied Soul, and we're going to be talking about that and uh, um, part of uh, what satisfaction looks like uh, for me is, uh, is hopefully later today. There's a game on. Did you know this? Did you guys know this, right? Some of you are ready for it. Good. Um, I'm hoping, uh, maybe I just jinxed it, but I'm hoping that, uh, that later today I'm like, God is good. I am, I am, my soul is satisfied. <laughs> and uh, so if you are watching it all, um, I'm sure, you know, you'll be thinking of me one way or the other. Um, Got to admit, I'm nervous. I'm nervous. Um, we, uh, one more announcement before we, before we dive in. And this is a fun one. This is personal. This is one that I've, I've, we have been, I think, gosh, probably for the year, a few years now in the making of officially saying we're doing it. And that is this Wednesday is our next relaunch of our first Wednesday services. So first Wednesday for... All right, so if you clap, you know what it is, right? Um, so our first Wednesday service is something that we haven't done since the pandemic. And, uh, and so if you've, if you've started coming in the last few years, you're kind of like, I don't, I've never even heard of first Wednesday. I don't even know what this is. So let me just take a moment, a moment to explain what we do. On a first Wednesday, it's, it's literally the first Wednesday of the month, hence the first Wednesday. Uh, we do dinner collectively. We do a bunch of round tables here. We sit around tables, um, uh, meet new people, find people you know, and we have a meal together. At 5.15, we show up. Dinner starts at 5.15. It's all provided here. I think it's like $10 to like pay for your whole family. Like, uh, like some of, like, there are some people you have, like that's a deal because you have families, right? Uh, I don't know, Pastor Andy, do you know Pastor Andy has five children? Five, Right? I mean, I like to the point where I think he loses some regularly and like they don't even know. Uh, $10 to feed his whole family here. It's a steal. So uh, you, $10, uh, uh, 5.15 dinner uh, around tables. It's a blast. Um, and then at six o'clock, we have our service and the kids go off and they have the, uh, they do their kids, kids ministry stuff. And then we stick around and we go through a service. And, um, and, and the, the topics are... Um, it's a little different than a Sunday morning in that we dive really deep into one feel, either a theological topic or uh, maybe a social issue um, from a biblical perspective. So we'll pick a topic and we'll dive deep. And, and it, it feels almost like a college class, like lecture style, like, okay, we're getting real deep here, some real content. And, and, and then we do some discussion around our tables and even Q&A with like me on the stage. So like, all right, what do you think? Let's just have a, a talk about this thing. And, and, and so every time we meet, we, uh, we rotate what we talk about, but we, we do a deep dive and um, much more than we can do on a Sunday morning and much more discussion than we do on a Sunday morning. Um, the, the topic this week or this month, which is this week on Wednesday, is this. It's often referred to as the problem of evil. Here's, here's the question. Here's what we're tackling. Uh, why does God allow suffering? And maybe you've heard it explained like this or asked like this. Why, why, does, why do bad things happen to good people? And if God is so good, why doesn't he stop it? And if he wants to stop it, like what's preventing him from stopping bad things? Hence this dilemma of the problem of evil. Why does God allow evil and, 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 and why can't he or won't he stop it? This Wednesday, we're going to discuss this. We're going to do a, 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 a deep dive into theologically, practically, like, all right, 
How would I understand this? And the goal, the hope is that when you leave, you say, I have a much better grasp, a much better understanding of this thing, this issue, this topic. And so um, this Wednesday, I hope you come. I know uh, a lot of us are already planning on it. If you haven't come before, if you've never been, uh, and your schedule allows, try it. Just show up and try it. See if you like it. Um, I, I hope you do. If, if you don't, you know, uh, you can never come again, I guess. I, well, that's not true. I want you to come again. But, uh, but, you know, you tried it, right? But at least come and say, like, all right, what is this thing? So this Wednesday, 5.15 dinner. If you can't make that, that's fine. You can just show up at 6 o'clock. Uh, that part is free. You just show up, and, and, uh, and it's great. Uh, so... This morning, we're talking about contentment and what it means to have a a, a satisfied soul. And what does contentment look like? Like, that's that's a hard question to answer. What does contentment look like in, in, in our lives, in your life? Um, I, it, maybe it's easier to at least think of this of, uh, of maybe someone, someone you know who you would say like, man, they just seem to be always content. Like this is the most content person that I know. Like they always seem to be, hey, you know what? Everything's fine. It's going to work out. I, I mean, almost, and, and maybe you know this person, almost to like an annoying degree. We're like, like things may be hard or difficult or life, and it's like, hey, you know what, though? It's going to work out. You go, you stop it. You stop it right now. It might not work out. Yeah, but, you know, either way, like, man, life is good. God is good. Okay, yes, that's true, but I'm going to stop hanging out with you. <laughs> like, like that kind of person. We're like, I actually want that, but, like, it's kind of annoying to be around because, like, man, nothing seems to ruffle your feathers. What, like, how do you know when you get that? And how do you get that? How do you know when you're at that spot that, yeah, I'm, I think I've, I think I have, I think I'm content. I think I'm satisfied deep in my soul. I'm satisfied. So I, I'm a little bit of my background. I'm a, uh, I'm a senior in high school. Uh, I, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. And, uh, and so it's, it's all new to me. I, I've been a Christian for gosh, barely any time. I'm, I'm, I'm really fairly new, really new Christian. Um, and I didn't know much about, I didn't know much about faith. Uh, I didn't go to church. I didn't grow up in Sunday school. I don't know, I didn't know any of the stories. I didn't know any of that. But I knew this. I knew that I needed to read this Bible. I knew I needed to read my Bible. I didn't know much else. I didn't, like, I, theology is like, like a super scary word. I don't even know what that all is. But I know I need to read this. I know this makes a difference. And I, and I was new enough, I was new enough to realize that I, I need to do what it says. Like I didn't, I wasn't at the point where a lot of other Christians can easily get and a lot of like the Christians around me got that, that like, they knew they believed the Bible. Like you could say like, hey, do you believe this? Well, of course I do. Okay, good, good. Do you read it? Well, not as much as I should. Okay, when's the last time you read it? I don't, I don't really know. What? You believe that God wrote this and that this is like God's word to you? Yeah, absolutely. Would you like to know what he, was, what he wants to say to you? I would love to know. Why don't you read it? Like, why am I, like, I'm new to this, and I at least understand, hey, we should be reading this, but you're not. 
why not? And I was new enough to realize, like, I should do what it says. And I get, like, how you get to that point. I think it becomes so familiar, and, like, the passages are all the same, and I've heard the stories. Like, for me, though, at that moment, like, and this maybe is hard to understand, if you, especially if you grew up in church. Every time, every time I read a verse, it was the first time I'd seen it. First time. I didn't have any understanding. I didn't have any background. I didn't have any, anyone teaching me like, oh, these are the, like, here's some good verses. Like, like I remember, I remember reading uh, John, John chapter three, verse 16. Do you know this verse? Do you know this verse? Yeah, of course you do, right? For me, I'm reading going like, oh, that's a good verse. You guys read this? You guys should like totally put this on t-shirts and stuff. <laughs> like for me, it was the, it was the first time. So I remember even, even reading the passage we're going to look at today, and it was the first time. It's new. It's brand new. I'm like, I don't, I, I don't know anything, but I know that I need to read more, and I need to do what it says. So my parents bring my brother and I one day uh, in and let us know um, that they're separating. And, and, uh, and if you ever experienced any kind of moment like that, you know, like, in that moment, all right, the world just stops. N- nothing else matters, and it's, what, do, what? What do you mean? Like, what does that mean? I, I, remember, um, I remember shortly after that, uh, walking in on my, on my dad, at, I, think, I think he was at our kitchen counter, and he was, had the uh, paper open and was looking for apartments, and that was like, oh, like, this is real? Like, you're not just saying that, like, you really are like oh why well you know this that and the other oh and I remember thinking this and, and this is true this is true of everyone I've talked to who's gone through something like this and, and it regardless of the age whether you're younger or you're older and your, your parents uh, split up I remember thinking even as a teenager this is probably partly my fault because I could have, like, I could have been a better kid. Like, I could have fought less in the home, which would have maybe brought the temperature down, like it would have been less fighting. Like, I could have fought with my brother less. I remember thinking, I could have, like, if I wasn't so busy with sports, maybe I would have been around and we, you know, the family would have been, would have been together more. But I was, you know, I was always traveling, I always had the next thing. And, and here's the thing, like, like rationally, logically, that, I, I know that's not true. But in that moment, oh, you better believe, I'm thinking like, what could I have done? What could I have done to, to maybe fix this or, or prevent this? And, and I'm, I'm gonna tell you, like if you've gone through this either as a kid or maybe you've, uh, you've gone through a divorce and your kid, like maybe they haven't even expressed this, I promise you they've thought that. I promise you. Because there's a sense of which, what could I have done to prevent this? I remember even apologizing to my parents once, like, oh, I'm sorry, this is, I, I, I could have been better. And I remember my mom at one point being like, what are you talking about? This isn't because of you. I'm like, well, but maybe a little bit. Like, I could have helped at least. And I put that on my shoulders because what else do you do? What else do you do? When we talk about contentment, how do you find contentment in that kind of situation? Fast forward a few, a few years, and, um, 
and my parents would file for divorce and my world as I knew it was completely changing. And the effects of that, I mean, we, I, we still feel today with regard to parents in multiple states and you know, multiple holidays and trying to figure out who does which day and the whole thing, like, all right. And as we talk about contentment, like it's easy to talk about contentment when like life is just wonderful. Like when, when everything is working and everything is perfect and, and you get the job or you get the promotion or they accept the offer on your dream home and you're like, man, God is so good. Well, yeah, yeah, he is, yeah. But what happens when the bottom drops out and like, like the world stops? At that moment, how do you find true contentment where you can still say, God is good? Where you could say in that moment when everything seems to be going the opposite direction, like everything is going wrong, everything is the opposite of what I wanted. God, in that moment, how do you say, but you know what? It is well with my soul. How do you get to that point? Because that just doesn't happen accidentally. Like you don't just stumble upon contentment in the midst of chaos, like just because. How do you get it? Some of you have had experiences like that. Um, some of you have experienced things far worse. How do you, in that moment, find satisfaction in your soul when life and the world around you seems to be coming apart? How do you find contentment when it feels like life is moving faster than you want? When all that you want, this is what I wanted. I want the world to just stop turning just for a minute. Just, just to catch breath. Like, can, can we just stop lying? Like, everyone, everyone, can we all just pause for a moment? Because this seems to be going, like, really fast, and I don't know what's coming up. And, and you know what happens? The world doesn't stop turning. And life doesn't go on pause. And everyone keeps doing what they're doing. And it almost feels like no one cares or notices in that moment. How do you find contentment? People talk about, um, about uh, having a life verse, and maybe you do. Maybe you have a, a verse that's like, this is like, it's like God wrote this to me. Like in the fine print, like it says like, for Brandon, like in the Greek, he wrote that for me. This morning, uh, this is mine. And we're gonna look at, at for me, like this, this verse is personal. Like sometimes, like there's a lot of verses and they're all wonderful, but some of them for us, because of maybe moments we go through or what, we, what they're talking about or what we've experienced, like, like it's like, oh no, but this is like, like this, is, this emotion is that memories are attached to this verse for me. And this is all about contentment. Here's what we're gonna see. This morning is sort of an equation like a spiritual equation of how to, how to get contentment. And here's what we're going to see, that, that one thing plus another thing equals something. Write that down. That's so profound. <laughs> one thing plus another thing equals something. And we're going to fill that in as we go. And all of it is centered around this moment, this idea of satisfaction and contentment. Here's what we're going to see. If you are taking notes, you can write this down. Contentment is found... When you learn to see God all around, that is, isn't that great? I wrote that. It's perfect. It's cute. But it's also very true. Contentment is found when you learn to see God all around. That's like, I want to find contentment. All right. 
Here's what it has to do with. It has to do with seeing God all around. And, and it's not based on circumstances. Contentment can be found regardless of your circumstances. It has everything to do with your experience and your understanding of God. What we're going to see is this equation play out. Contentment is found when you learn to see God all around. So let's start with the, the first part of the equation, and it's this. A content person, Paul is going to tell us, rejoices through everything. The first thing Paul tells us is to rejoice. In fact, it's such a big deal, he says it twice. And any time in Scripture when you're reading the Bible and you see someone write something twice in the same verse or like within a few verses of each other, okay, it's like them getting out a highlighter or bold or circling. Like, hey, if I say it twice, like, like scrolls were not cheap when they're writing these down. Like it was, like it was expensive like to, to write a letter. To write something down, like took resources. And, and so they don't waste space or time. So every word counts. So when he says something twice, he's like, this is that, this is that important. Here's what he says. In Philippians chapter four, starting in verse four, it says this. Rejoice in the Lord always. Not just like sometimes, not when life is easy or good or wonderful, but always. In case you missed it, here, I'll say it again. Ready? Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Listen, I'm going to say it again. I'm literally writing it a second time. Rejoice. Rejoicing is all about perspective. It has nothing to do with, with, uh, with the things around you. It has nothing to do with like your bank account amount or the stuff you have or like the blessings in life. Like it has nothing to do with, you know, I'll rejoice. You know what, God? Oh, man, you've blessed me so much, I'll rejoice. That, that's easy. But what Paul is saying here isn't, hey, rejoice when things are wonderful. He says, rejoice in the Lord. Listen, ready? Always. There's not a time in your life that you can't or should not rejoice. It has nothing to do with wealth, though most of us consider wealth as a blessing. And maybe it is, sure. But also, listen, some of the richest people in the world are also some of the most depressed. I mean, st literally, statistically. And what you, we see is some of the poorest people in the world are also the ones who have the most smiles. <laughs> I remember, if you've ever been outside the States or traveled abroad, like I, I've been to a number, like on mission trips into a number of third world countries. And, and I remember going to one, uh, one country, Haiti, and, um, and, and, and being shocked. I mean, like overwhelmed at like the disparity of like where we came from versus where we are and like here they are. And, and I remember literally like you think of this on National Geographic and like kids running down the street and like with no clothes, like no clothes on their back, literally no clothes. I remember this one kid, is, I, I'll, this is burned in my memory forever. He had a stick and was smiling ear to ear, chasing other kids with it. I'm like, Man, you, I don't know if you own a single thing didn't matter. You wouldn't know it. He was so happy. It has nothing to do with wealth and everything to do with perspective. And if anyone, if anyone has a right to, to speak about this, it's Paul. Paul had every right to be bitter. I, I don't know what you've gone through in life. I, I know some of us have experienced some really, some really difficult things and traumatic and hard and, 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 and we carry that baggage with us. But Paul was not immune to that. In fact, we could say 
In fact, his experience might trump ours. Paul spent many times in jail. Like he's arrested a number of times. He'd been beaten and stoned and like left, literally left for dead. They thought he was dead. And then he woke back up and was like, nope, it's not that easy. I'm still here. And, like, and he gets arrested over and over. In fact, as he's writing Philippians, he's in jail. He's writing a book about joy and he's in jail talking about, hey, rejoice. Rejoice. I got this ankle chain thing I can't get rid of and there's guards and stuff, but you know what? Rejoice. Always rejoice. This wasn't a guy who had an easy life and, and like everything was perfect for him. This was the guy who understood hardship and he says, rejoice. And what do we have to rejoice over? What do you have to rejoice over? As a Christian, what do you have to rejoice over, right? When, when, especially when life is crazy and, and, and everything is, seems to be going wrong. Here's what you, listen, ready? Here's what you have to rejoice. God has saved your soul. Now listen, that, like, that doesn't sell. Like, that doesn't, like you come to church and you're like, okay, what else? No, 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 hold on. Did you, do you understand what that means? Listen, if you're a follower of Jesus, you put your faith in Jesus. You understand the gospel and you believe the gospel and you're all in. God has saved your soul. What else matters? What else matters? For eternity now, he's like, you get to be with me. <gasps> what? And it's not because you did anything. It's not because you earned it. It's just simply because I sent my son to die for you and you said yes and you decided to jump in and welcome to the family. Man, rejoice in the Lord always. Yeah, but life is hard. But he saved your soul. Whoa. I, I had a, um, uh, I was in youth ministry for a long time, for a uh, little over a decade, and I loved it. I, I still love youth ministry and forever will. And, and I had a, a leader um, who was in youth ministry. This is great. He was a small group leader. I, it, it, he has the record, in my, and everyone I've ever met, he has the record by far. He was a small group leader, for 50 years, five zero, 50. Some of you are like 50 minutes and I'm done, I'm out. This is not my calling, I can tell. 50 years he's in this, Hundreds, thousands of kids have gone through his ministry and, and his name is Jerry and he's a close personal friend. We, I, call, I call him Grandpa Jerry. Even now if he calls, I call him, hey, Grandpa Jerry. And, and, um, and, uh, and he, I remember he was, uh, I think he was like 78 when he was doing ministry for me he's in his 80s now and I remember he would do this all the time and it didn't matter who you were whether he knew you or not like if he I should just fly him up here one day just to like let him loose in the hallway like it would be awesome I would love every second of it and, and, and he would go around people and like whether he knew you or not if you if your face was just a little bit like sad or melancholy or just neutral like you just have a very re like neutral resting face like mine is not neutral like my wife tells me all the time like you look angry I'm like no, actually, I'm just doing absolutely, literally nothing. Well, you look mad. Well, now I am. <laughs> and like, like, if that's your face, like he, he would do this. He'd be like, hey, hey, are you saved? What? Are you saved? On a, in church, on a Sunday, just like, hey, are you saved? And sometimes he'd shout it across like the, the hallway, like, hey, are you saved? You're like, dude, dude, what? Yeah, yeah, shh, stop, okay? Yeah, yeah, I've, I've chosen to follow Jesus. And he would say this, well, you should let your face know it. <laughs> and, then, and then what would happen every time is what you just did. You'd go, oh, you're right, okay. You're actually, you're right, right? 
What do we have to rejoice over? Listen, you and I, our souls have been saved. Like God has saved our souls. Rejoice in the Lord always. And then he goes on. He says this, let your gentleness be evident to all. Here's what you should be known for. Gentleness. In your joy, it should be gentleness that describes you that people see in you. Not, not this like sense of like, I'm so glad, I'm so joyful that, that, like, like we're, that we're protect, God has protected us from all of them, that we're better than them. Listen, in the church, we are known for our pride and for boasting, and, and we're known for it because we do it, because it's actually accurate. And we can easily get to a point where, we, where we're so thankful that we maybe even condemn or judge others that, that we say, well, God, at least I'm not like them. That sounds awfully familiar to a story about a Pharisee that, that Jesus tells. Like, like, you know what, Lord? Our life might not be perfect, but at least we're not like them. <laughs> That's not what he's talking about here. We should be known for our gentleness. Not that we're taken advantage of, like... Jesus was the, an extremely gentle man. And when I read the Gospels, I don't see ever an experience where he was taken advantage of. <laughs> he was very firm when he needed to be, but, but man, he was gentle. So us, we should be full of gentleness. And then he says this, why? He says, the Lord is near. He says, our God is not like the other gods. Like they're in, this is a Roman province, like Philippi. And, and so like they had their Roman gods. And, and you, if you had to go visit a Roman God, you wanted to go pray to a Roman God, one of the various, you know, myriad of gods, you would go to the temple or the place. You'd go to that spot and you had to like, like either offer a sacrifice or pay someone to offer the sacrifice for you. Like they had, you had to go to that spot. Or you had a special spot in your home where you had like little idols set up. You had to go there and then you would pray to this God or whoever it was. And, and what Paul is saying is like, no, 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 listen, listen, ready? Our God, like the real God, he is near. He's like, he's like right here. He's not like you gotta go to some place, some building. He's like, he's right here. Like in this room right now, if you and I, like if we, if such things existed as like spiritual glasses and we'd have put them on and like, I can see the spiritual realm like, whoa, okay, this is cool. If you could see that somehow, you'd, you'd see God like here. And it's not here just because it's like New Hope Church. Like you go to your home and put these goggles on and like, oh, you're here too? Huh. You're, you really are near. And, and not only that, like God tells us that he's actually here. Like somehow the Holy Spirit and like the, 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 the great wisdom of God, he says, actually, I'm, being around you isn't close enough. I'm actually gonna dwell inside you. Like somehow the Holy Spirit, you just decide to follow Jesus and he's like in here, like some, like I don't know exactly where he goes, but somehow he's like a part, like he dwells inside us. He is, he is so very near. The first part of this equation is rejoicing through everything, Paul tells us. All right, you want to find contentment. You want to experience true satisfaction. It looks like rejoicing through everything. The second thing he adds is a content person adds prayer for everything. Now, Paul adds something to rejoicing. That's not enough. You don't just stop there. You got to be praying. He says this, do not be anxious 
about anything. These next two verses, six and seven, are the verses for me that I'm reading and it just, it just hit me. These verses, even to now, even as I read it right now, it like speaks to me. He says, do not be anxious about anything. And he doesn't say don't be anxious about the little things or don't be anxious about the really big things or, 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 or like, our, like our response is like, yeah, Paul, but you've never experienced this. <laughs> like this, this deserves my anxiety and my worry and my frustration. This deserves it. And what Paul says is, is don't be anxious about anything. There's no shortage of things that we, you and I can be anxious about, big stuff, little stuff. But Paul says, actually, hold on, listen, ready? Don't do it. As best you can, as much as it's up to you. Like, listen, don't be anxious. The anxiety you feel, you need to bring in check and realize, like, God doesn't want me to be anxious. What am I supposed to do instead, Paul? He says this, but in every situation, but in everything, not just good times or easy times or stressful times, but in every situation, he says, by prayer and petition. He mentions two different variations of prayer, and they're two different Greek words. He mentions these specifically. You should be talking to God. This first word, he says, is prayer, is prosuke. It's just a prayer in general. It's just when you speak to God, like all the, whatever kind of prayer you can imagine or think or come up with, like, all right, that, that's included here. But then he, he gives this other word, petition. And the Greek word is deesis, and it's, it's, it has with it this sense of urgency, and, and it's timely. It isn't like a general, like, thank, thank you, God, for all the blessings you've given me. That's like a general prayer. This prayer is, God, you, you said to pray for wisdom, and I'm in a situation right now, I just need wisdom. And, and I need it like, I, I, like this is, I don't need it a year from now, I'm praying for wisdom now. I'm praying for a specific thing, like, like with a deadline. Like, it's, like, God, this is urgent. And what he says is, you should, not, don't be anxious about anything, but instead in all things, it, with prayers to God and specific timely, urgent petitions. And then he says this, with thanksgiving, you should have the right attitude in prayer. This isn't a matter of like making demands before God or showing up as like some, like God, today you're gonna grant me three wishes. I, I, I've, seen, I've seen Aladdin, I know how it works, okay? I would like these three things. Oh, that, that's not how we approach God. Though actually we can get mocked like that, like God is some great genie in the sky. No, 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 not at all. Our approach is with thankfulness. God, I'm so thankful for what you've done and, what, and who you are and, and that you saved my soul and I'm, I'm humbly making these, these petitions, these requests. And then he says this, present your requests to God. Present all of this to God. Make, make requests of him. I, I've talked with a number of people and, 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 and uh, as a pastor, even in my office and, and wanting to know like, hey, you know, I wanna grow in my faith or I wanna, I wanna hear from God. I want, like, what's my next step? And like, awesome. And, and, and I'll ask about prayer and like, what are you praying about? And, and I've had uh, a number of times people have said like, well, I don't feel right asking things from God because he's given me so much. Like, what right do I have to, to tell God or ask God for something else. 
And though I understand that perspective and that, that mindset of like, who am I to make a demand for God? What we see here is Paul says specifically, hey, listen, here's what you should do. Ready? Make your requests known to God. Like, you should be actually requesting things. Humbly, with thankfulness, and, and a proper attitude, and in gentleness. You know what, God? I'm not making demands, but here's what I'm asking. I'm asking for this, and a specific requests a content person adds prayer for everything it's no surprise that some of the most content like like christians in your life also happen to be people who pray what do you know (laughs) that something happens when we are actually speaking to god paul tells us to rejoice in everything and to add prayer to everything and then he tells us what we get Here's the the equal of the equation. A content person experiences peace in everything. The result of all this is that God answers your prayer. And his answer, his answer might not be what you want it to be. It might not be the answer of of the prayer request you're asking for. God, I want this, or I'm asking for this. By this time, I need this, or I want this, or I would love. God, can you do this, please? And he will answer your prayer every time. But it might not be yes or let it be so, or yes, exactly how you want it. His answer might be, you know what, I'm not, that's not going to happen, but here's what I will do. I'll give you peace. What? That's not what I asked for. Uh, but it might be what you need. <laughs> God will answer your prayer, and what we're told is that this answer, Paul tells us, is peace. Verse 7, it starts, it says this, and the peace of God. The peace of the God who is near, who who knows what you're going through, who knows what you've been through, who knows what you will continue to go through. That God, he gives you his peace. This peace that is is different than the world. And and he says, you, here's your answer. Ready? I'm going to give this to you. And Paul tells us, he describes this peace, and he says this. This peace of God, he says... It actually transcends all understanding. That, that this peace of God actually, like it's beyond our ability to even explain it or to understand it or to know where it's coming from or, or why we get it or, or, or what it, like it, it's, it's one of those things that like you can't measure it in a lab or recreate it, but it's, it, this is the language. Like someone who has it, who you, and maybe you've had the experiences before, you say things like this. I don't know why, but I just feel like I have a peace about it. Like, like that's the best we can explain it. I just, I'm at peace. Like I have a peace that I feel like God, like God has given me this peace about this thing. What does that mean? And I, I've, I remember explaining this thing, and, and I remember people being like, I don't, I don't get it. And, and I said, I don't either. <laughs> but I just seem, I'm at peace. This peace that transcends all understanding, he says, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This peace is the thing that protects you from the very circumstances that you're in. It's almost like this piece is the shield by which like none of this other stuff can get through. As much as we want all of it to, to like go away and God fix the rest of the world and fix the problems and my circumstances, make it all right again. And instead of that, he says, no, no, actually what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a peace. And in the midst of this peace, I will protect your heart and your mind from all of that. 
Yet in the midst of all of this stuff, you can experience true, lasting peace of God. If we're writing this as an equation, here it is. Rejoicing through everything plus praying for everything equals peace in everything. Now, I, I know that's an equation. There's not much math in, math in there, uh, so you, uh, it should be easy for you to remember. But here's what he's saying. Rejoice in everything and pray for everything. Pray during everything. Listen, you do those. You do those. You focus on me and you will get this peace through everything. Not just when times are good or easy, but in the difficult stuff. Contentment is found when you learn to see God all around and, and, and you start to recognize that, that actually God is near. And this content person who's experiencing all of this starts to realize this peace I have is because you are with me, God. In the midst of all of this stuff, you're with me, little old me. So I read this passage for the first time and, and it, it was like a strong left hook I didn't see coming. And I took God at his word. I was, I was foolish enough and naive enough to believe that God actually does write this and he does what he says he will do. Like I actually read this and said, God, you said this, not me. And I hope, I hope I'm still in this position of, of, of being foolish enough to believe God at his word. But I read this and said, do not be anxious about everything, but in, but in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And then this peace of God, you said, will guard me. Okay, God, here, I'm taking you at your word because you said it. I didn't say it. I didn't say that you're supposed to do this. You said you would do this for me. So here's the deal. I'm not gonna be anxious. I'm just gonna pray. I'm gonna rejoice. I'm gonna be praying about everything. And what I got to experience, I think, was this peace. And I, I explained it. All right, I, I, you know, how many prayers did you pray and then you got the peace? I don't know. It wasn't like a certain amount of days. All right, do this for this amount of days and then you get it. Like at day, at day 29, no peace. Day 30, I got it. No, no, it wasn't like that. But over time, I began to realize I'm not as worried or anxious about my world falling apart, I actually have peace. And it wasn't dependent on my circumstances. It wasn't, though I wanted things to change, and I was praying specifically, God, I want, listen, I want my parents to work it out. I, want it to, I don't want our family to split up. Like, that's my request. But, but at the same time, I, I don't know if that's gonna happen, but what I do want is this peace you talk about. And as much as I want, like, life to get better and life to be great, and like, like you know, like, when I drive home today, I would love all green lights. That would be awesome. That's that, Lord, Lord, Lord of the signal lights. Make them green. Red lights, just, they just get in my way. And here's what we know. Life is full of red lights. Life is full of red lights and stop signs and, and confusing roundabouts. <laughs> Rarely, and, and if ever, do you just get green lights, full green lights in life. And, and so instead, what we say is, like, the goal isn't like God rearrange all of life to like make my crooked path straight again, but like that might be a song or something, probably, right? But like, 
Like, all right, I, I, want, I, want, I want this, but life is this and crazy and chaos, and instead what I get is peace. And what I find is that peace is, is so much better, and it's, it is tr- transcending of understanding. Now, here's the thing, and, and this, this next part may shock you. You may be shocked. When I, when I went through this process and I started praying and I started relying on God, I was not yet a pastor. Did you know that? Like this, this special, this special direct connection I have with God that none of you get. Like I, I didn't have that yet. That's a joke, by the way. You, none of you laugh, but that is, a, that, that is, that is funny, actually. This, this, this seemingly like, oh, wow, that happened to you because you're a pastor. No, 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 not at all. This, this experience that I had, listen, ready? It's available for you. This isn't like some special thing for like the, those out there, like the super holy people. Like, no, 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 not at all. Like, like this was written for you. If you go home and open your Bible, you get your Bible out, right? You dust it off and you open it up. And you're like, all right, Philippians. Let me see what my Philippians 4 says. Oh, it says the same thing. Your Bible says the same thing as mine, and God makes the same promise to you as he does to me. Some of us, like life right now, you, like peace, peace is, peace would be everything for you. Anxiety and frustration and confusion seems to be all around you. And maybe you're in certain circumstances or relationships or, or life in general, and it's just, it's all over the place, and you just want God to fix it. And instead, what you should be pursuing maybe is, all right, God, I want your peace. I want to I hear from you. I want to learn from you. But I want, this, I want this peace you talk about. And here's the deal. I'm going to keep asking you for it till I get it. <laughs> This isn't a, oh, I'm going to pray once and it didn't happen. He didn't give it to me. Oh, I'm gonna, Lord, I'm going to be the persistent widow. And I'm going to be praying and praying and praying. I'm going to be knocking and knocking and knocking until you, you get, I, I get this peace. Contentment is found when you and I, we learn to see God all around us. So would you do this? We're going to sing together and then we'll, we'll take communion together after this next worship song but would you stand with me and I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray for us and then, uh, and then we're gonna sing to the Lord so would you bow with me so Lord I, I know that um, wow, how, how, there's not a person in here who can't use more peace but I also know that some of us, maybe a lot of us aren't experiencing your peace the peace of God, this, this peace that transcends understanding, and we want that. So if that's you, no one's looking around, and just where you are, silently, just you're going to pray right now. And here's what I want you to just say to God. This is you saying, God, I, I want this peace. I, I want you to say to him, God, I need your peace. Just where you are. Life is chaos right now, confusing, frustrating, anxious God I want your peace Lord for those who just said this where they're at I I pray that you would pour out your peace on them that that we as a people would would recognize how good you are and would rejoice in you always and and if we forget that we would rejoice again 
and we will rejoice in the fact that you have saved our soul, that we would then rely on you. And instead of being anxious about everything, we would pray about everything, and we too could experience this peace. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. We worship you now in song. In Jesus' name.